before we get started with this week's episode of Rising as One podcast, we'd like to thank our partners, Firebird Rising, the Beautiful Game Network, and Oro Brewing Company. You can check out Firebird Rising on the web at firebirdrising.corair, that's K-O-R-R-A-I-R.com, the Beautiful Game Network at bgn.fm, and Oro Brewing Company is located in downtown Mesa, so if you're out in the East Valley, go check them out, and remember to use the code word RISING after any Phoenix Rising win for happy hour pricing. We would also like to thank our listeners for the continued support. If you enjoy this podcast, please do us a favor and leave us some feedback on iTunes or drop us a line on Twitter at RisingPod. Let's get to the show. doesn't take away from what the boys have done all season long I mean you know we look back at the beginning of the season when they were struggling uh, just to keep their head above water and stay above 500 and you know to have Patrice Carter on come on come on board and you know do the things that he did with this club are just amazing uh, you know take nothing away from what you saw the entire season just such a tough heartbreaking loss to have to deal with you know, especially everything they had to go through in this game, uh, you know, notwithstanding, not just the fact of, you know, playing 120 minutes and going to penalty kicks, but also having to endure an almost 20-hour delay in between play in the first half and second half. Yeah, I mean, it, it almost felt like a uh, movie or something or a TV series where you're breaking the final episode into two parts uh, with how long the uh, match seemed to go. Uh, even though there was a distinct break in the action because of the thunder delay, it felt like it was just going that whole evening, that whole morning, and everyone's wondering what's going to happen next. But before we dive all the way into that, it's important to note, next week we will do a full season recap. You know, the good, the bad, there really hasn't been much ugly. So a lot of good, and I think we'll be in much better spirits for that one. We'll try to do a full episode Matt will be back on. Maybe we'll even get another guest or two to talk about some of the off-field things that have happened. It's been a great season on that front as well. But, you know, for the sake of simplicity, this episode is just going to be about Soul Park Rangers versus Phoenix Squared. And with that, let's get into it. Yep, let's get into, we'll break this down into sections here. We'll first break it down into the starting 11. We'll give our thoughts about... Uh, uh, what the lineup looked like and how, you know, what we thought maybe should have been a little bit different or whatever the case may be. Then we'll talk about the first half, then we'll talk about the delay, and we'll talk about what happened on uh, Sunday afternoon. So we'll break it down that way for you guys. Uh, so let's start with, first of all, with the starting 11 that uh, Patrice Carterone put out there. Uh, an interesting 11, you know, with, with, like we said, with some things that we'll talk about here in just a second. But obviously Josh Cohen at the back uh, starts there. Um, Victor Vasquez on the left uh, with with uh, Jordan Stewart and uh, 
Duigi Mala in the center, and then uh, Cody Wakasa on the right-hand side. You had uh, Kevon Lambert and Sam Hamilton as your holding midfielders. Uh, you had uh, Amadou Dia as your attacking left midfielder. You had Didier Drogba playing in the center, and then you had uh, Jason Johnson playing on the right-hand side with Chris Cortez playing up at the top. Uh, you know, some interesting things that, you know, I will point out in this starting 11. Um, a little surprised to see Vasquez win the left back spot over Dia. But then again, surprising to see Dia up on the left-hand side, not versus an Alessandro Rigi. Uh, you know, seeing Didier Drogba in the center of the park kind of changes your, your mentality when it comes to players that were sitting on the bench, Gladson Awako, Sean Wright Phillips sitting on the bench because Didier Drogba's playing that center number 10 role. Um, you know, Chris Cortez starts on the right and then uh, Jason Johnson gets the start up top. If you have if you have Drogba playing up on the top, well then that opens up the spot for Drogba, opens up the spot for the SWP. So, you know, in that respect, you know, you're, you're always going to question what Patrice Carteron put out there. You know, he put out what he thought was the best 11. You know, if I were to make changes myself and, and, and this would be the way I would go, I would put Dia in the back. I would have put Rigi on the left-hand side. I would have put uh, SWP in the middle. I would have had Gladson, uh, Awako on the bench. I would have had Didier Drogba playing up top. And then I would have had Chris Cortez on the right-hand side pushing Jason Johnson to the bench. I think Johnson coming off as a sub might have been a better move than having him start. Obviously the decision, and we'll talk about Jason Johnson's, you know, what happened with him throughout this, this telecast. But, you know, that would have been my way I would have gone. What, you know, what were your thoughts, Dominic, as to kind of the way they should have gone? Yeah, I mean, you broke that down really well. We can second guess and pull a blue mistake. So I don't think it's going to make a, too much sense to go too deep into that. The only one that really stuck out to me was, uh, you know, Victor Vasquez getting the start left back. And he played pretty well for us over the course of the year. Gotten better as the season goes on. But I think some of Dia's best performances came when he was at left back. He's shown that he's capable of moving forward and bringing some good balls to the box. And when we get to the recap, you know, you'll hear about his involvement up top. With that being said, I think having Kane at left back opens up a spot for SWP in the starting 11. I think this is a game that we really could have used SWP in veteran uh, leadership, you know, especially for that first half on the rainy day. Um, but again, we're not the ones that make the big bucks. We're not the managers. We are just the Sunday evening quarterbacks, if you will. So, I mean, if you want to get into what happened in the first half yeah, let's, didn't seem to be too much. But. Yeah, let's let's get into the, the first half highlights. Obviously, uh, you know, Phoenix gets on the front foot right away within the first 60 seconds of the match. Uh, a nice early effort uh, getting the ball up, getting it into Chris Cortez. Chris Cortez getting a weak shot off. Uh, McLeod having to come out and make a decent save on that right early. Uh, you know, credit to the boys for coming out early and putting a little pressure on Swope Park Rangers. Um, you could see Phoenix Rising still kind of continuing to build a little bit, but at the same time also seeing them kind of sitting back, kind of taking what Swope would give them. Uh, you know, Cortez had another shot in the 14th minute that he hit it over the top. You saw, you know, a lot of midfield play. 
you know, there in the in the middle 15 minutes of the half, and not a whole lot happened there. Uh, you saw a good play in the 30th minute. Uh, Cortez had gotten a header off of a corner from Drogba that McLeod had to make a good save on. Uh, and then the rain started coming. Johnson picks up a knock there around the 35th minute. Uh, you could see it visibly had bothered him. Uh, you know, he was struggling to, to move at times. Uh, you saw Sam Hamilton pick up a knock there around the 38th to 40th minute. Uh, you know, so he was struggling a little bit. And you could kind of see it was it was showing as at the end of the first half, uh, Felipe Hernandez gets off a good shot attempt that went way wide. But the fact that Swope finally started to push forward towards the end of the half, you could kind of see where things were going at that point. Also, at that point, you saw the rain starting to pick up, and you weren't sure what was going to happen, how the field was going to play with that wet weather. Fortunately, you got into the half at nil-nil. Uh, you know, everything was looking okay at that point, and then the heavens opened up. So uh, before we talk about the heavens opening up, uh, your thoughts on the first half play, Dominic? I mean, I'm going to be honest. I actually didn't get to see this live. I was traveling in Utah this weekend with my family uh, and had a great weekend with them. Unfortunately, it made me being able to watch this game very difficult, but I did manage to, you know, see bits and pieces of it. And, you know, there really wasn't too much to speak of. From what I did catch in the first 20 minutes, it was Phoenix kind of sitting back, letting Slope get a lot of possession, but there really weren't too many chances for either side. Uh, you know, you saw the header towards the end of the first half for Phoenix, but, you know, their keeper collects. And, uh, yeah, like I said, it's very difficult to see this match because I was traveling with my family in Utah, but uh, very, you know, maybe expected first half between these two sides that are so even in the standings this season, uh, so even in their two matchups during the regular season kind of feeling each other out, especially with the uh, conditions being pretty suboptimal, like they were not too much going on. But from what I did see, you know, catching what I could after the fact, Phoenix was just sitting back, soaking up a lot of pressure, but not really giving up any chance to know. So, you know, from that standpoint, not too bad. But you could definitely tell at the end of the first half, conditions were worsening, and you know, maybe this is a different thing to talk about, but I just wonder why, if there's a high probability of there being stormy weather, do you not either start the game earlier or just postpone it until the next day? Yeah, I totally, I totally agree with there. There, I mean, if they knew this line of storms were coming, you know, why was the decision not made earlier to move this game up an hour or even two, if if need be? I mean, there's plenty of time, plenty of daylight to do it. It's not like they were starting at 10 o'clock at night. I mean, they had plenty of time to to get people there and to get them to watch this match. I don't think that was a huge issue, you know. So, you know, I, yeah, you, do you question USL and do you question the Swope Park officials for not trying to think of that earlier? Yeah, he probably could, you know. But unfortunately... You know, you, you can't predict the weather necessarily, and maybe they thought that this was just going to be a, a quick passing storm maybe, and unfortunately it wasn't. Um, you know, you watch, you know, you're watching the delay, and then you're watching the field puddle up, and you're seeing it, you know, starting to look, the conditions are getting worse, and you're thinking, are you even going to play this game tonight? You know, and then the, 
the grounds crew gets out there and they start to go to work on the field and you're thinking, okay, maybe they might play. And the officials come out and check the field and they say it's going to be okay. So they get the jet dryers out and they get the water off the field. They get squeegees out and they get, you know, the water off the field. So, you know, you're hoping at that point that maybe something's going to happen. And, you know, and then all of a sudden the players start coming out and they're they're doing uh, their warm-ups and they're getting prepared for their their second half of play. And then all of a sudden the big crack of lightning hits at 9 o'clock and this game gets postponed at that point because they're not going to try to wait another 30 minutes. So at that point, the suspension's in place. They move, you know, the, the second half and the rest of the game to Sunday afternoon. And obviously, you know, this is where the game really changes for Phoenix Rising, kind of in a, in a bad way if you want to kind of look at it that way. Because you have to start the second half now you're making two substitutions at the 46th minute. You're getting Gladson Awako to come on for Jason Johnson, who picked up that injury. We didn't know how serious it was, but obviously when you come back on Sunday and it's serious enough for him to be sitting on the bench at the 46th minute, that's not good. And then you bring uh, Matt Watson in for Sam, Sam Hamilton. You know, his injury was a position where it, it – you know, didn't allow him to continue. So obviously that makes it bad for Phoenix Rising and the fact that you have to use two subs really early, you know, and it's unfortunate that the way this thing kind of bounded out. Oh, absolutely. And we'll expand on that more as this uh, recap goes on. But being basically down to one sub for 75 minutes of game action, that's a significant disadvantage in any matchup let alone a matchup, you know, just being down to one sub with 45 minutes left to play is a significant disadvantage, let alone a match that can go to extra time with your season on the line. And you need every body out there. And you explicitly made some of those moves that you made with the starting 11 because you thought you could bring in SWP as a sub, because you thought you could bring in Peter Ramage as a defensive sub if you get a goal because he thought you could bring in Ricci. Well, now you only get to choose from one of those guys. So that totally changes the uh, tactics in this match. And meanwhile, Swope had a lot more tactical flexibility to work with. Not to mention, you know, you look down the road, if you're thinking about potential penalties, Jason Johnson has been our PK taker most of this season. Jarvis took a couple towards the end of the year, but that was Johnson's role after... Uh, Luke Bruni got hurt early on. So to lose those two guys, you know, to me, I think that's a crucial, crucial moment in the results going the way it does. And, you know, this is why my biggest gripe, we posted a question on Rising is one, what are you most upset about? I'm most upset about that match even starting on Saturday because that's the catalyst for everything that happens after. If they don't play in rainy conditions, Maybe Johnson doesn't get hurt. Maybe Hamilton doesn't get hurt. Maybe we have a full three subs to work with. And that just starts the whole chain reaction. So, you know, I don't know what your take is on that, but I think being down two subs was critical. And I think we win this match not for that. Yeah, I agree. It, it, is, a critical, it is a critical decision at that point. Because, I mean, even if they come back, if they, if they came back and played Saturday night uh, after that delay, 
I still think you lose Johnson. I'm not sure you lose Hamilton. I think you may you may have been able to, to get Hamilton to stay on the field. But I think at that point, okay, so Johnson's going to come off the field. We know that for sure. But now you could use you could use that Hamilton sub in a different way, because maybe you're you know maybe at, at that point you're up a goal or maybe you're down a goal at that point and at that point you're going to bring on an SWP for for offense or you're going to bring an Alessandro Rigi in for offense or you're going to bring in a Peter Ramage for defense and put five in the back maybe you know to string it across maybe you're going to do something like that I you know who knows. But uh, yeah, I agree. Or Matt Watson, or Matt Watson in the midfield, if you're still in a zero-zero kind of situation. Exactly, exactly. You know, and and you know, unfortunately, those injuries forced an early, quick hand from Patrice Carterone, which he had no control over. And you know, and unfortunately, as we'll talk further on down the line, you know, we, you know, I think we can both agree on the fact that we, I think that these these subs definitely played a role in what happened down the stretch. Can't disagree with that. So do we want to get into the second half? Yep. Let's some get... 18 hours later. Yeah, so eight, nine, 19 hours and 45 minutes later, we play, <laughs> we, we play half number two, and obviously the subs come in right off, of, you know, right off at the beginning of the half. And Gladson Awako makes his different makes his his presence known early in the 48th minute. Takes a shot from distance now, may have gone wide, but just the fact that he's getting his presence known early in the second half is a good sign showing that that Phoenix Rising is go- going to want to push forward and try to push for that early goal in the second half and then put the pressure on Swope. Interesting play. Two minutes later, Didier Drogba gets a ball midfield, dri- dribbles about 10 yards, and try and. Just out of the corner of his eye, notices that McLeod is way off of his line. Tries to float one over the top of him. Uh, just barely misses the net. I mean, what a what a try for, for Drogba to, to do that. Um, McLeod got hurt on the play for a moment because he had crashed into the post trying to make us trying to make some sort of a save or an effort on on putting that ball away, but you know didn't have to touch it because it had floated over the top. But you know, an interesting moment there from Didier Drogba. You know putting a little floater on net. Uh, oh, absolutely. And, and he has, so a couple things. One, he has the keeper beat there. You know, McLeod, even when the ball is going just inches over the crossbar, he's still at the six-yard box. So there's no way he can get back. And, you know, we've seen it a few times this year, Jogba trying those. And, you know, when you're watching, you're kind of just thinking, okay, well, you know, that's cheeky of him. I don't know if he can really pull this off. Well, our biggest game of the season, he came this close to pulling it off. And my goodness, how that would have changed things. Yeah, it would have really, that would have really changed things in a hurry. Uh, 59th minute, Awako takes a corner kick. Drogba misses just, just over the top on a header. You know, great corner kick there. Uh, Cortez in the 66th, 66th had a shot at it. Went right over the top. 67th minute, Amadou Dia had a great look. Uh, along the end line, uh, throws it across the face. McLeod gets a piece of it to knock it out for a corner. Um, then Swope makes its first change at the 70th minute, getting uh, Selbol into the game and getting Pasher out. Uh, and then Selbol tries to make his uh, presence known right away in the 73rd with a shot that goes just wide. Um, then we get to the 74th minute. 
Gladson Awadko had a ball, a nice ball to Amadou Dia, who just missed. Uh, then three minutes later, it was a ball from Felipe Hernandez to Carlton Belmar. Belmar gets passed and gets a one-on-one with Josh Cohen, but Cohen makes the save. That was a huge moment there because, you know, Belmar's got to make a little bit of a better effort uh, trying to put that one past Cohen. But it was a really weak effort that he put on it, you know, for a guy that's scored 14 goals on the season. I was really surprised at that effort. Yeah, and, and just one other note on that. Uh, you know, a good friend of mine watched a lot of matches. He was saying, you know, I think that's why Carlton Belmar isn't getting looked at by sporting for minutes this, this season. Uh, and I was like, that seems like a pretty hot take for, you know, okay, he missed this one one-on-one chance, but he still scored 14 goals on the season. But, you know, maybe there's something to that in the biggest moment. You can't produce something that really tests Josh Cohen there because it really was one-on-one and not a terrible angle either for Belmont. Yeah. A couple more corner kicks late in the second half for Phoenix Rising, and then right at the 90th minute, uh, Selbol had a chance on net, which Cohen had had an easy save. Uh, not too much pressure on that one. Uh, two extra minutes of time uh, played out, no issues. So we get to the end of the second half. Uh, a 0-0 tie, and we're headed to uh, 30 minutes of added extra time to see if uh, if we can decide a winner or if we have to go to penalty kicks from there. So, you know, obviously a, a much better second-half effort from the boys. I mean, obviously one thing that was huge, you know, was the early, early push from Phoenix Rising to try to get a goal quickly. Obviously, you know, I think they knew that if they could put something in in the first 20 to 25 minutes, I think they felt pretty confident. But I think once they got past, I would say, maybe the 75th moment, uh, the 75th minute of this of this uh, second half, I think the the thought was to kind of sit back and then take it to overtime and see what they could do there. Yeah, I 100% agree there. Uh, things really petered out. For both sides after the Belmar chance, but certainly from the Phoenix Rising perspective. And, you know, one other thing, I hate to beat a dead horse, but that was a second half that was just begging for Jason Johnson for a moment of magic for him. How many times in those first 25 minutes did we get guys making great runs? You know, I'm going to do deal on a lot of those. And getting balls into the box, Didier drop on a couple corners, or, uh, you know, Victor Vasquez lining up a long-range shot, and none of these opportunities have really come to anything. Either the shot would get skied over, you know, maybe not the greatest set piece, maybe not the greatest delivery, and there's just uh, no way to fully take advantage. Well, if you get Jason Johnson in the box for one of those set pieces, he can get up and over some people, maybe get a header. If you get Johnson on the edge of the box, maybe he can put a shot past the keeper. He's shown he can do it before check out the Timbers 2 game. And so it was just a game begging for that that moment of magic. You know, well, a game that reminds me a lot of this one was the Colorado Springs game earlier this year, a home match, where Jonathan just put the team on his back, got two huge goals in the last 25 minutes. We win that game so from behind. And without that, you know, we were definitely making the right moves, had some good things going, a lot of good ideas, but there wasn't that just that little bit of clinical finishing that we were uh, in search of. 
because Drago was so well guarded, he didn't have to be yeah, I agree with you there completely. I mean, you could you could see that any time Drogba had the ball, two, three players are around him all the time, not giving him much space to really move and do the things that he likes to do, or, you know, create the types of plays that he needs to. And, yeah, having Jason Johnson there would have been perfect because really outside of Amadou Dia, you really didn't see a whole lot of, of movement from the rest of the guys on the front line. And I, I don't know if that was a byproduct of the delay and everybody was getting tired at that point because they had played night, you know, because they played earlier and you, you know, you're just coming off of maybe tired legs after playing 45 minutes. You know, I don't know. We'll, we'll never know the answer to that question, but, but obviously something just didn't seem right, you know, with, within the guys that were playing up top there. And that took us into extra time where things started getting interesting in a hurry. Yep. We get into extra time. We get into the first extra period. Uh, not a whole lot goes on the first five minutes of, of overtime. Uh, the, you know, Rising makes its final substitution at minute 96. Uh, brings Alessandro Region for Chris Cortez. You could really kind of see Chris Cortez's legs were kind of going there at the point when they brought Regi in. You know, this would have been, you know, if, if we had the full complement of three subs and let's say we had used, you know, somebody like a, a Watson earlier and we could have used somebody like an SWP earlier that maybe, you know, maybe, you know, Regi for a lot, you know, Regi comes in for maybe uh, Jason Johnson if he's got tired legs or maybe he comes in for Amadou Dia at that point, you know. We'll never really know, but, you know, good thing Regi comes in right away. Minute 99, he gets on, uh, he gets on, uh, off a beautiful free kick uh, from just inside uh, the, the center line, gets it up in the air nice and high. Didier Drogba in the box. Drogba gets a header on it. McLeod makes a little bit of an effort to try to punch it, but I think he gets a little too far out of his box and a little too far uh, too close into the play itself. Drogba heads it. Nobody behind him. It goes right into the net. Phoenix Rising is up one nothing. I mean, a great play from Alessandro Rigi. A great ball by him. Oh, absolutely. And that's kind of the service we were looking for all match. Uh, and as you were saying before, maybe if we have more substitutes, we could have gotten him on sooner. And going back to that whole sub issue, Maybe after that goal, we can bring on a Peter Ramage for Duiji Mala in the middle. But because we have no sub left, we have to stick with the line we got. And, you know, maybe you're still pretty confident. I felt pretty confident that we could hold on, but it didn't quite turn out that way. Yeah, I felt kind of confident, too, at that point that they would be okay and that, you know, the, the, the line would hold. Um, obviously, you know, the only other thing that happened in the first uh, added overtime period, uh, 101st minute, uh, Barmathon had a shot that deflected out for a corner, and, you know, Swope couldn't do too much with that play. So we get through the end of the first uh, added extra time period. Uh, Rising's up one nothing. We switch ends, and we get going for the second 15 minutes. Uh, we get to the 109th minute. Uh, you know, I went back and I watched this play three times over again just to, to, to look at it straight. You know, 
a ball from the you know a ball from the right hand side. Then, you know, it was just a normal play. Drogba's down in the... Now, remember, Drogba is down in the middle of the six because of an incident that with uh, with a Swope player and with uh, Duigi Mala. So there are three players that collided. Drogba's down in the middle of the pitch, in the middle of the six. Now, nobody, now the referee does not see that he's down at all. It doesn't get any help from his assistant referees. So play continues, and... and Guido Gonzalez doesn't even turn around and take a look to see what's going on, if there is anything going on. So the ball gets whipped in. Carlton Belmar with the header. Now remember, <coughs> Jordan Stewart and Duigi Mala can, uh, converge to, to try to thwart off the threat of Belmar there at that point, which they do. But unfortunately, with Victor Vasquez uh, floating back towards uh, the, the, the goalpost to kind of cover that area, uh, it left Amir Didich open, and unfortunately Amadou Dia was a little bit too far behind him. And when Didich made his run, you know, at that header that was up in the air, he was able to get a hold of it, knock it past Cohen, and 1-0 is now 1-1, and now you're you're looming with penalties again. one but give credit to phoenix Rising for not giving up three minutes later in the 112th Rigi gets a ball goes right across the face of the front of the net um, you know unfortunately nobody on the back end to be able to do anything and then obviously the biggest uh the biggest shot of the match at the 113th minute didier drogba has a free kick 22 yards out from the net right square center uh hits a beautiful free kick around the wall but an, but uh Great save by by Darren McLeod uh, to come up to stop that one and knock it out for a corner. You you can't uh, you can't credit uh, McLeod enough for making what was 
probably the biggest play of the match right there and was able to be able to send this match to penalty kicks. Yeah, and, you know, if I had to choose a man of the match, I think it's Darren McLeod because of, you know, keeping that first half clean sheet yesterday, uh, limiting Phoenix rising chances in the second half where there was a lot of pressure. He got a finger to Amadou Dia's shot that might have been going in. He makes that save on Drogba's free kick. He makes a big save on, on first penalty of the shootout. So I think he's the man of the match for both sides. Yeah. So obviously we end end overtime, 120 minutes at 1-1, takes this match to penalties. Uh, Phoenix Rising goes first. It was Kevon Lambert to step up first, hits a shot to his right. Darren McLeod guesses in the right direction and makes the save. And then uh, Selbol turns around and scores on Josh Cohen, makes it one nothing. Uh, Swope Park Rangers after the first round of the shootout. Uh, we go to the second round. Amadou Dia steps up and takes the penalty. Uh, just barely skims it by McLeod, but gets it in the back of the net. Uh, followed up by Christian Duke, who scores on Josh Cohen. So after two rounds, it's 2-1, to one, Swope Park Rangers. Uh, we get into the third round, and uh, Gladson Awako steps up and nails one in. Uh, followed by Carlton Belmar. He puts it in, and that makes it 3-2 uh, after three rounds of the shootout. And then we go to the fourth round of the shootout. Duigi Mala steps up for Phoenix Rising and skies it over the top, uh, which leaves Swope Park Rangers the opportunity to close out the shootout. Uh, Lilo Meloto steps up, uh, knocks it cleanly in. 4-2, and that ends Phoenix Rising's uh, playoff run, ends the season uh, with a 4-2 loss in penalties. Uh, obviously, you know, let's talk about the lineup that Patrice Carterone sends out there for the shootout. Obviously, the questions are going to arise. Why was Didier Drogba not in, not in that shootout? Why was Alessandro Rigi not in that shootout? Uh, you know, those are obviously the first two questions you're going to ask. Uh, you know, why maybe not Matt Watson, who has a lot of experience in English soccer, why maybe he wasn't in, in that uh, in that lineup was, could have been interesting as well. You know, and like we've talked about a number of times in this podcast already, you know, if we have an SWP available as a sub, if we have somebody, you know, else like a Jason Johnson who doesn't get hurt and, and is playing to his full potential, he's probably in that shootout lineup. You know, we're, we, we'll just never know. Right. And, look, the three guys that took penalties for Phoenix Rice are three Brody, Didier Drogba, Jason Johnson. None of them... And, and Omar Bravo, I guess, if you count the open stuff. None of them were in the penalty kick line. But you know, two of the players in that lineup, Glasson uh, Obanco and Duigi Mala, I think both of them played for Patrice Carterone. So maybe it's Patrice trusting his former teammates, or his former, his former players, to see what they can do in practice. So, again, you don't want to be the Sunday night armchair quarterback, so to speak. But 
you know, you do have to raise some eyebrows when you don't get to see a Didier Drogba or Alessandro Ricci. Okay? And it puts you at a disadvantage because, you know, oh, they had all of their primary penalty pick bigger in their, you know, lineup of four. And we had none of them. So that's already going to put you behind an eight ball. Um, and again, like we can we can second guess this both from space. The fact of the matter is, their keeper made a really good save on the first effort. So that sneaks in maybe a different outcome. But yeah, definitely, definitely leaves a little bit to be desired. Like you know, your mark be signing step up there. And we were speculating Drago was limping a little bit towards the end of the second over time. Maybe he was nursing an injury, but. Had a really good free pick moment earlier. Maybe they're saving him for the fifth round. But, you know, I think Portugal did that against Spain a few years back. The Euros definitely worked out both of either. I'm a big fan of, but if it's one of your best shooters, you put him in the first three rounds regardless. So. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. I mean, it takes, it kind of puts you on, you know, behind the eight ball, like you said, you know, if. You know, you're getting down their third, fourth, fifth round, and you're behind in the shootout. Well, now you can't necessarily rely on having that guy come up and taking that kick because it may not happen. You know, and and you know, like you said, we can second guess all day long, and we can sit here and say who we thought should have been taking it, and who shouldn't have been taking it. You know, it was Patrice that made the decisions. It was Patrice that that sent the guys out there that he did. You know. Hats off to Darren McLeod for making the first save, because if he doesn't make the first save, you know, this, this might be going on for a while. This this may be a totally different shootout that we're looking at. But, you know, kudos to Swope for stepping up, and, uh, you know, congratulations to them, and they head on to the Western Conference semifinals to take on uh, Sacramento Republic next week. So, you know, not, yeah, not, you how know, much you can say there. I guess my only thought is, like, it's kind of like the uh, Ernie Baseball sounds out there. When managers save their best reliever for the ninth inning in the playoffs, and then the other team kills them in the seventh or eighth inning. You know, I think you're seeing some people start to shift their approach, use the best reliever earlier. That's what I want to see in penalty kick shootouts, too. If you have a great shooter, put him, there, put him in at the beginning where you know they can take his spot. But, but it's done. done. Yeah. But let's not, you know, let's not take away from the effort from the boys. Let's not take away from the fact that for 120 minutes they were able to, you know, to to stay on the field with Swope Park Rangers. They battled them to a 1-1 draw. We we knew this was going to be a, a tight game going in. You know, we expected it to be one of the best first round matchups uh, in all of the playoffs. And and true to form, uh, both these teams uh, put out the effort. You know. You know, it was a great effort by both teams. You know, hats off. Like we said, you know, nothing for Phoenix Rising fans to be ashamed of or nothing for Phoenix Rising fans to to be, you know, upset about. Look, you know, you look back at the season that they've had. You finish with 18 wins, 10 losses, and 7 draws overall. You finish 17-8-7 overall in the regular season. You finish 1-1 one one in the Open Cup. You finish 0-1 in the playoffs. But, you know, for the, this club to get 18 wins in a season, obviously it's a record. Most points in a season with 58, that's a that's a club record now. Um, you know, nothing to be ashamed of from this team. You know, 
and, and look at it. There's only one way to go from this is, is to go up, and obviously I think this organization will put the effort in to do that next year. 100% agree. Uh, you know, the effort that these guys put in over the course of two days on the road, great club environment, great club team going up again. I mean, it was exceptional. If we get this win, you know, if we can just hold on to 10 more minutes, this is one that we're going to be remembering for a long, long time. And I'm sure the supporters here will have songs about it. Do you remember the night of the Do you remember when we held on two days? But, you know, even in the defeat, you can't really call it a defeat because they played their hearts out. And, I mean, in spite of bad injury months, in spite of the weather, in spite of, you know, not having your best striker available for the Sunday afternoon, we were still moments away from a heroic victory. So, uh, nothing to be ashamed of, like you're saying. I think fans do have a right to be a little frustrated about how it went, but not at the players, just at some of the things that were really outside of anyone's control. You know, the fact that the Mountain started on Saturday, the fact that Drago wasn't in the PK lineup, the fact that they didn't stop the match when Drago went down to the equalizer. You know, some of those things tough luck. But no frustration should be directed towards players. They played incredible. And I think you're right, the sky's the limit. The fact that we were able to do all this with so many things happening in the background in this early months, coaching changes, you know, players coming in in July, even August. It's been an incredible season and we will dive more into that next week. But do you have anything, any final thoughts from this match? Well, my, maybe, maybe from the season. Well, my, my final thoughts from this match, you know, we can second-guess the decisions that Patrice Carteron made all day, and it's not going to make a difference as to what happened. We can second-guess the league for not deciding to move up the match a couple of hours and to, to avoid the weather delay that evidentially caused things to happen is the way they did but hats off to these boys for 120 minutes of solid effort you can't fault them one bit for what happened you know penalties are the you know you always hate to have to go to penalties because it's the worst way to decide a match but unfortunately in the usl playoffs that's just the way it has to happen to be and so you know, you got to rely on the guys you have out there to do it. And they gave their best effort. And just, unfortunately, their best effort wasn't quite good enough. But like I said, hats off to these boys for the effort that they put together. They have nothing to be ashamed of. This organization has nothing to be ashamed of. And things will only get better next year as we go on. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, I agree with just about everything you said. Um the only thing I can add is that it's been a great privilege to get to know some of these players, get to know you and Matt on this podcast, get to know so many people in the front office, and so many of the fans. Uh, when I hopped into supporting this team less than a year ago, I had no idea what to expect. I was just thinking, okay, there's a team that plays closer to me. I enjoy soccer. Why not? Let's give this a shot. And you know, it's been such a privilege, such an honor to uh, 
kind of bring this podcast up from nothing and share this season with uh, with so many great fans of you guys. So, and and we'll get probably more into some of that emotional stuff next week. But uh, that's all I can add to what you were saying about the team. Yep, I totally agree with you there. So, uh, I guess for the last time this regular season, it's time to wrap up this uh, this podcast. And uh, I'll let you uh, send it home, Dominic. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. We will be back next Sunday with a large, big-picture season recap. Uh, we won't really do awards because we kind of already got that one out of the way, but we'll just kind of do a roundtable kind of discussion about what's going on from way back when Frank Gallup was our coach to today. And after that, we might do – we're pretty open about what's going to happen with the offseason. We want to keep these going regularly, but it might be every other week instead of every week. We will have more details next Sunday when we report. But until then, thank you so much for listening. Go Rising. Let's do it next year. Have a great night, everybody.